Welcome to Sergey Ross Podcast. You are here because we want to expose you to ideas and strategies from successful people so you can hopefully execute on your dreams. And my today's guest is a former enlisted member of the U.S. Army Reserve, a full-time instructor of martial arts, and the author of two books on parentship, specifically on how to develop influence and success skills and leadership with uh, your kids. Jeremy Rodrock. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, Jeremy, why don't, we, why don't you start by talking about your career journey? Uh, how did you get to where you are? And then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Sure, sure. Um, I got to where I am now in a very circular, crazy, splatter thing. I started um, really as a kid with a paper route, which I don't think they even do that nowadays for kids. But I had a paper route as a kid. And then um, in high school, I was kind of a mooch and just kind of like bummed off of people and stuff. And then when I graduated high school, my parents said, oh, yeah, we'll pay for you to go to college or you have to have a job because you can't live here free. So I went to school for a little bit and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to study. So let me at least stop college. I'll get a job. And... I ended up getting a job in a sandpaper factory hmm. and I worked there for about three years and it didn't take long for me to kind of resent the job, start to hate it. But when I was like, okay, I want to go back to college. Here's what I want to study. My parents were like, yeah, we're not going to pay for that because I want to do philosophy with a minor in psychology. It's like, okay, that's not practical. That's not, you know, what are you going to do with this? We're not going to pay for that. Come up with something better. It was like, well then fine. I'll just keep working. Hmm. So, I got to the point I'm burned out. I hate working in the factory. Um, I actually cut my arm and got 21 stitches. I threw my back out. I cut my finger on the opposite side, got four stitches, cut my elbow, got two stitches. Mm-hmm. And, and when you start thinking about if I sever a body part, how much money will they pay me and how long can I live on that, that's a sign you need to leave that job because it's not healthy. I actually started uh, cutting my hair. The hairstyle I've had now for over 20 years, I started because of the factory because I hated going to bed, because then I had to get up, and I had to go to work. So I figured, well, if I shave my head, shave my head, I can take uh, shorter showers, means I can sleep longer, plus I can save money, no shampoo, no conditioner, no product, no styling gel, no bad hair days, no bed head, just same hair days. So I started there, and when I left the factory, it was like, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I want to go back to college. Um, let me find a job that's going to do some tuition assistance. So I went from working in the sandpaper factory. Oh, and during this time also, I took some breaks from the sandpaper factory to go do renaissance festivals. And that is, if they don't have renaissance festivals where you are or for your audience, mm. it's basically a six to eight weekend only um, event that happens kind of out in nature and there's like booths and it's all themed like renaissance. So like, you know, we're looking at Queen Elizabeth or, um, King Edward, King John, that kind of right. stuff. So we're, we're pretending we're British and we're selling stuff and, and what swords and leather and chain mail and just all kinds of crazy awesome stuff. Mm. And so I did that a couple of times. I traveled to Milwaukee to do one. I traveled out to Colorado. Um, I did the one here in, in Dayton in Ohio for about seven years as a when I was in high school, just getting out of high school. So I had that going on. I had this at the factory work. So I set up a job. 
um, I'm going to be a meter reader and because they do tuition assistance. So that way I can be in school and I'll get some money for college if I have good grades and I'm going to read meters for the power company. So I have a set of keys and I walk around and I go into people's houses and that kind of stuff. Again, not super fulfilling. Um, and I ended up during that time, I got involved with martial arts and I got, I got to a point where I kind of feel like I want to do martial arts the rest of my life, but I'm not sure. So let me test my commitment. I'm going to join the Army Reserve because my dad was in the Air Force. My grandfather was in the Army. I want to get that experience, kind of relate to the previous generations of my family. So I'm going to go Army, went and did the boot camp, really missed martial arts. But I came back, got a new job, left the sandpaper factory, became a security guard worker. And I worked there for a year and a half. And security guard, I got paid six dollars and some change per hour and overtime I made like nine dollars and I sit and watch people on a camera and I walk around the building make sure the doors are locked and that's what I do eight hours a day wow, again not very fulfilling yeah it's, so, it sounds very like very much like a search for something that you would enjoy and not quite a straight line as they say right yeah, well, I, wanted, I was looking for something that's going to grow me, it's going to challenge me, it's going to let me make an impact on other people, and it's going to be something like meaningful. And, and, and so kept searching, kept searching, kept searching. So I left, I left the sandpaper factory, I went to this, I went to this, so I ended up security guard. Friend of mine, one of my Kung Fu brothers, his, sister, his, his now wife, um, she was a lawyer working for a research firm called LexisNexis. Mm. And at that point, LexisNexis was about 18 times the size of the internet. I think they're much smaller now compared to the internet. But uh, I got a job there as a software tester. And so I was making $10 an hour, this is not bad, doing some stuff, but it left me time and freedom and flexibility to go do martial arts, to go to competitions, to travel. So now I'm competing on the national, international scale. I won the Pan Americans in, uh, in in forms. Did okay in fighting. Did, did well in Shisao, which is a, a, a skill set. Mm-hmm. So I did a bunch of stuff there, and then the the job for the software testing. The company was going to reorganize, and the knowledge that I had on some of the systems they didn't want to lose. So they offered me a raise of about fifty two percent. I went from ten dollars an hour to eighteen twenty five an hour, mm. and that was important because. Prior to that, everything I had been paid was about six, seven, maybe ten dollars an hour. I could leave it because my priority was martial arts. I could quit this job. I could find another one. It pays me a couple of bucks. It's fine. I'm, I'll be okay. When I started making the eighteen twenty-five, making about three grand a month, that's kind of nice. I, I can do more with that, and so that made it hard for me to leave that job until my job actually left me and they reorganized the department again they downsized and I was one of the three people in my department that was let go so now no job love the martial arts I've been talking about opening a school for eight years that was kind of the impetus to push me out of I'm gonna be in, in I'm gonna be in scarcity I'm gonna be in this place I'm gonna, I'm gonna work for all these other people do all this stuff and have this thing on the side Okay, let's take the martial arts school, bring it center stage, and let's actually do this for real. Let's make a business out of it. So then I went, I started as a club, then I went full time, and uh, really I haven't looked back since. I, I really don't know how to work for other people. I can work with other people, that's not a problem. But working for someone who's going to dictate my life and my schedule and my hours, um, I don't know how to make that work for me. Hmm. But you, you did make that decision to not build on your software engineer experience 
and not go further you just decided no I'm, i will i will be doing marital arts because this is where i feel i have uh, more fulfillment absolutely it's where i felt like i was making the biggest impact and it was the most meaningful to me it resonated with me like this is what i'm here for doing the software testing and software engineering it's like that's interesting and but you know it it, it it just it didn't have that that mm. pull that hold on me the same way that martial arts did and does right i've seen you um wearing a shirt saying life begins at the end of your comfort zone tell me about yes. how do you approach this statement and how can somebody deliberately put themselves into into this uncomfortable situation to get the benefit um, well, the idea of life begins at the edge of your comfort zone. If you stay inside your comfort zone, you're not going to grow, right? Growth is challenging. It is uncomfortable, sometimes painful. And if you stay where you're comfortable, let's be honest, we'd all still be wearing diapers because learning how to get potty trained is challenging. Learning how to walk is challenging, ride a bike, go to school, talk to strangers. There's all these skills that we develop in life and they're all uncomfortable first. Anything we learn almost always starts with some level of uncomfortable, some level of pain some level of, I, I gotta get stretched, I gotta grow. And so for me, when I look at my life gets too comfortable or it gets too easy, it's like, okay, that means I need to get to a new challenge. I need to go find something, not not cause more drama, not pick a fight. I mean, I could do those like with my wife or my kids or my clients or my you know suppliers. But it's like, okay, how can I go to that next level? How can I reach farther? Mm. And it's how do I lean out of that comfort zone? Not necessarily jump, because now I have a wife, I have I have children, I have responsibilities. Different when you're single. When you're single, you know, 28, 29, it's just you. Do what you want. What are the consequences? It just hurts me. But now the things I do could hurt my wife, could hurt my kids. And it's like, oh, I got to be more calculating. Mm -hmm. I got to be more more clever, and I got to lean out of that comfort zone. And one of the things that that helps do that is you surround yourself with people that are also growing and expanding. Because keeping up with them challenges you, right? If you want to get better mm -hmm. at tennis, you don't play with the people that are not as good as you. You play against the people that are a little bit better than you. And occasionally, you play against people that are wickedly better than you just to get spanked and go, man, how'd they do that? And that's how you grow yourself mm -hmm. is you got to step to that level where you're struggling to keep up a little bit. That's where you're going to start to grow. If you're drowning and sucking on too much water, you know, back off a little bit. Right. And what about... I find when you when somebody tries to put themselves into this, you know, growing experiences and comfortable experiences, they can only go so far. What about if they hire somebody to push them deliberately, a coach? What 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 is your perspective on that, and how effective you think that that approach could be versus doing it on your own? Well, the easy answer there is just look at anybody who is at the elite level in anything as a human being. They're not standing there by themselves, nerf the world, I'm the only person. They have coaches, they have mentors, they have sounding boards, they have people they go to, they have a tribe, some people ahead of them, some people the same as them, some people below them, to, to give them perspective and to pull them, push them, prod them, poke them, drive them to that next level. Um, hiring a coach, hiring somebody who has been where you want to go or is where you want to go, it, it saves you so much time and energy because yeah. like, like I coach parents and you know, parents come to me, they have a challenge, my kid's not listening, my kid's not, they're not disciplined, they're not this, they're not that. It's like, okay, that's no problem, it's easy to fix. Um, show up this way with them, try this, say this, see what happens, then we'll modify it because everybody's unique. But there's basic guidelines that are the same for everyone. And when I wrote my parenting book, 
um, your best child ever is this game right. with meaning money by guarantee on that book mm. when I wrote it it's like but I'm not married I'm not dating I don't have kids what makes me qualified because I've been coaching families for 17 years in the martial arts as an example I had a family that came in and it was a lady who was dating a lady and one of the ladies had some anger issues military background dealing with some stress and traumatic experiences plus grew up with an alcoholic mother so there's some drama and energy there so the two ladies sometimes don't agree with each other sometimes things can get a little bit hectic the son is six years old and he's not pooping for two and three days because he doesn't know how to control anything in his life except his own butt mm -hmm. and they're taking him to therapists they're taking him to counsel taking him all these different places to try and get him to stop you know go ahead and go to the bathroom when you need to go but he's so scared and then you add in his dad is showing him porn at six years old because he doesn't want him to turn out like his mom. Now, I want you to lay girls. I don't want you to be weird. Mm -hmm. But when you sexualize a child's brain at six, you force them to become a teenager. So now this little six-year-old young man, he's a teenager. He doesn't understand what's going on. He, doesn't, he has the capacity to understand things at a higher level, but the emotions of a five- or a six-year-old who doesn't feel safe. And so working with him – over the course of about four or five months, he was in the whole family was in my martial arts program. Not the dad, just the ladies and the kids. We're going through the situation. And in the space of about four or five months, I got him to stop soiling himself by adding some strategies, helping moms understand the situation, what can they do to show up differently for him. But then also for him, you know, where's his strongest identity and who does he want to be in life? And does he like how things are going? Does he want things to change? And because I knew he was a teenager internally, I can relate to him in a way that the other adults in his life don't and help him to move forward and help his family to move forward because I've dealt with situations like this. Mm. And I share that story because a family comes to me and little Johnny isn't eating his vegetables. Okay, is he pooping himself every three days? No. Okay. It's not that big a challenge, right? Do, do you guys rage out at each other and put holes in the walls and yell and scream for hours? No? Okay, not that big a deal. This is going to be easy. But me as a coach, I have a broader set of skills, and right. I'm, a, I'm emotionally detached from your situation. I can see your situation more clearly and can point things out to help you move forward, whether that's in your personal relationship with your kids, your business, whatever. I have a perspective that I can share and help you get where you say you want to go and then start to see how you're sabotaging yourself or what roadblocks you're putting in. So I recommend everybody has mm -hmm. some sort of coaching or mentorship, somebody in their life to be a sounding board who is outside of their emotional situation to keep them grounded. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's something that you can get, you can get progress so much faster. And obviously with your experience, you go to this extreme cases uh, as you want, as you described, that allows you to be much more effective at day-to-day -day cases, right? Absolutely, because it's when you get pushed into those edges, that's like, oh, okay. Well, how would I handle this situation? Okay, cool. Just use a smaller scale, simpler steps, smaller bites. Um, a lot of stuff that goes on in families is just, you know, you as a parent, you were raised by your parents, and then you're going to do whatever was done to you to your kids. Because we see this in same thing in martial arts, and I'm sure you see it in, in sales and marketing. Right. People do what they've experienced unless they've trained something better. Yeah. Put somebody under pressure, they revert to whatever their experience is, like it or don't. So if you're bad at sales, but, but how are you sold? How do you show up when people put pressure? Well, I can't be high pressure. Why not? Mm -hmm. Well, because it makes me feel this way, so I can't do that for other people. 
But what if you're not being high pressure? What if you're just clarifying the conversation? It's not high pressure. You're just feeding things back. Right. Right? Having a coach that can be outside and say, well, it's not high pressure. You're just clarifying. Yeah, it's so important to assign or to have a, a, the correct meaning of events or feelings or whatever is happening. And that will really make a big difference. And absolutely, whatever we're going to feel, we're going to act on or not, we're going to feel depressed or not. And essentially, well, that will lead to that certain outcome. Absolutely. Well, the, the label you give to something a lot of times will change not the situation, but it changes how you show up right. in the situation. Is this a problem? Is this an opportunity? Is this a challenge? Is this a calling? Right? Yeah, is this a gift? And Those you, words change. Right. And, and you, um, uh, Jeremy, you did uh, take the Tony Robbins Master University program, which I wanted to ask you more about. What was the program about? And then what have you learned by going through the process? Yeah, well, Tony does a series of workshops. He starts with Unleash the Power Within. You're going to walk on fire, and that's going to change everything about how you see yourself and your beliefs. So I think about there is is you have unproductive stuff going on in your life. Let's get in there. Let's cut that stuff loose and be free of it. Awesome. Boom. The next tier is something called Life Wealth Mastery. And there's three – or sorry, it's Master's University, and there's three parts. Mm-hmm. There's Life Wealth Mastery, which is two different things they combine together because they deal with – Life mastery is about getting your energy and your vitality and your rituals for how you maintain yourself, get that clear. Wealth mastery is how you build financially but also mentally, emotionally. Because if, if you have all the money you could ever want but you hate your life, that's that's meaningless, right? right. It, it's got to be something that fulfills you, makes you expand and expand others. So let's define what wealth is and let's give you the – so the life mastery gives you the energy and the wealth mastery gives you the finances and they work together. And then the other part of – a master's university is a thing called Date with Destiny. And Date with Destiny is a live experience of a book he wrote called Awaken the Giant Within. It's 512 pages. Recommend everybody read it when you're past like puberty. Um, but that book lays out as like a workshop he wrote for himself. He, he was going through some things and he had basically, he had a shift and he wrote that book in like one setting and just like just pages on pages on pages on pages and couldn't read his handwriting and all kinds of stuff. But he purged that book out of himself and then he built Date with Destiny as a six, five, six day workshop. You got about two, 3,000 people there. You're broken into teams of like 16 to 25 people. You have somebody leading your team. You're, you're finding partners sometimes on your team, sometimes off your team. You're doing exercises. You're doing stuff. Let's, right. let's really get into – Let's get into your values. Let's get in, get into what drives you and, and what do you have as your values and your wiring right now and what kind of life is it giving you? What kind of life do you really want? And then what sort of values do you need to help you achieve that life? What sort of beliefs, what sort of things would support it? The idea is we are hypnotized and we are brainwashed by society, by marketing, by all these things in the world. Why not use those tools on ourselves to create our own vision, be who we want to be, Instead, and that's really the idea of that whole experience. It's right. totally that you do have to go in and you have to play full out what that means for me, my frame. Because when I went in, I was in a lot of pain and dealing with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do these breaks, and everyone's like jumping up and down, or giving people hugs, and massages, and high fives. It's like a rock concert and all these different things. And I'm just looking at the first time they're all jumping up and down, going, "Okay, this is stupid. This is just so <laughs> stupid." And then the second time they did it, I'm like, okay, I came here. My strategies for life aren't working. What I'm doing in the past has brought me to this point where I have all this pain. I'm violating my values. I know things aren't going right. I spent a ton of money to be here because I bought a higher end ticket. 
Um, so I've, I've got like $2,500 between the ticket, the airfare, the hotel, the food. I'm in. So if I'm going to get my result, I'm going to jump up and down like a blankety-blank moron. And that's what I did. I jumped up and down. And it, it, it let me get into the process and it made everything change. It's if amazing. I hadn't jumped totally. up and down, it wouldn't have shifted. Yeah, it's amazing how... And I did go, I personally went to uh, Unleash the Power Within and uh, in it, and then I did the Power of Success one day workshop before. And the first thing that comes up to mind is uh, jumping up and down and giving hugs. That's stupid. And, and that's a very natural reaction, I think, because as Tony says, we are conditioned by society to have certain certain beliefs around oh that makes sense that doesn't make sense but what i really like about tony's events is that he before we start he asked the question who was who from uh, those who are here was dragged here and um, and then do you think it's like a total bs that we're going to jump up and down and hugs what is it and he explains actually science behind it and a lot of people might not believe in that because well it doesn't make sense but then once you go through the whole thing you're like oh shit that this actually does work yeah yeah well in 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 therapy work and counseling and the stuff i do with 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 my clients and things that i've done i've done with people who mentor me you have to submit to the process if you want to get the result if you're intellectually in your head fighting it and judging it the whole time you won't get the result Right. Imagine you have this beautiful woman and you want to be intimate with her and you're thinking in your head every single step of what you're going to do and how she's going to react. Instead of actually just doing the thing and being in the moment with her, you're just in your head talking to yourself about what you're going to do and how she's going to respond. You're not going to get the result Absolutely. because even if you try something, she knows you're not present. You're not connected. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. Now. I wanted to ask you this. You studied people like Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Stephen Covey, and uh, all self-improvement, amazing, amazing, very practical strategies, how someone can get better. But few people really do. And I was just curious, like, from your perspective, why is that? We have all this content. It's very applicable. You can use it. You will get better. But so few people actually do, do get better. Well, there, there's a couple factors. Number one is what is the environment you're going to? Because you can take yourself out and you can like clean up your vision, everything that's important to you, and you come back home and you have family and friends who know who you, how you used to think and how you used to operate. So you upgrade your thinking and your operation, but everyone around you is going, but this isn't you. This isn't how you are. This isn't really life. This is, so you're getting constantly reinforced, and then you have a question, do I buy into their version of reality or buy into my own? And... Date with destiny sometimes is called date with divorce because a lot of people come out of that going the partner I'm with is the wrong person. I may or may not love them, but they are the wrong person for me and where I want to be in my life and who I want to be. This relationship needs to end. Um, to be fair to both of us, to go be the people that we're supposed to be. And so that's sometimes a challenging thing is when you go, yeah, your family is not your peer group necessarily. You can love your family, but it doesn't mean you want to take their financial advice, mental advice, emotional advice. Um, and they have a vested interest in maintaining the story that they have. So they're in, they're they're looking out for your best interest in their heart. They're trying to do the right thing. And they don't want to set you up. Well, well you're, you're, you're trying to make too much money. You're trying to live too big. You can't do that because I can't do that. And so they're trying to protect you from disappointment instead of getting excited for you and motivating you and encouraging you. That's one issue. Right. The second issue is a thing called secondary gain. And secondary gain is probably the bigger problem. Secondary gain is unconscious. You don't know you're doing it, but you get benefits 
from being in pain. Mm -hmm. And so then it's hard to get rid of the pain because if I get rid of the pain, who am I? And I'll give you an example one of my mentors shared with me is he was approached by an individual who was in a, in a major metropolitan city. He was suing the Catholic Church for abuses that had happened when he was a child. And he came to my mentor and he said, hey, I've got this problem. I want to get it fixed. I've been to nine different people. No one's been able to help me. And my mentor said, okay, let me talk the situation, talk the situation. He's like, okay, cool. I'm not going to be the 10th. I'm not going to work with you. The guy's like, why not? He says, okay, here's the deal. I'll, I'll work with you for free. All you have to do is drop the lawsuit. And the guy's like, I can't do that. He says, that's why I won't work with you. Mm. And that's why nobody, that's why nobody will succeed with you because who are you without the lawsuit? Well, it's not about who I am. It's about righteousness and it's about they have to pay for what they did and they have to be held accountable. And he's like, no, it's about vengeance and it's about you hurting them back the way you were hurt, which isn't going to give you satisfaction. It's not going to heal you. It's not going to take you anywhere. It's going to keep you in pain the rest of your life. Mm. Who are you without your pain, without this lawsuit? Because you're getting national attention. You're getting opportunities to speak. You're getting all of this validation. All these people who connect to you because of your pain, take all of that away. You're just some guy. Right, right. It's, and when it's, when, it's, yeah. when it's put like that, you go, wait a minute. Because of my pain, I can connect to people. It's a way to get connection and get love and get all these things. Oh, shit. If I get rid of that, who am I? How do I connect to people? How do, I don't I don't know. And so people unconsciously pulled away from the solution because the alternative is too scary. And it's called secondary gain. There's a lot of research into the secondary gain. And so when you're doing change work or inter interventions with somebody, you have to you have to kill the secondary gain before you can move forward to a compelling future. Mm. We call it call it breaking the bag. You've got to break the bag. They got to see the way out. Then you can you can help them move out of the bag. Yeah, I've heard um, many times where people have a certain perception about themselves, they define themselves in a certain way, and then they're too attached to who they are to, to do something different. Right. Uh, Jeremy, last question I want to ask you, what legacy would you like to leave behind? Um, I want to help the world play better games. Um, that's the whole point of my book. Uh, the sequel is going to be, is this story worth telling, but it's all about games and stories. Um, I was just listening to a thing on NPR, this woman who went through some pretty, pretty amazing things when it came to childbirth and just huge pains and problems. But she's talking about the power of story and how people use that. You know, my mom was, was raised this way and went through all this stuff and she was in an abusive relationship for 35 years. Not my mom, but the person on the radio. Right. And it's like, it's like that your mom needs to tell a different story. It wasn't 35 years of abuse every single day. There were bright moments where she would have killed herself. So the fact she's still here, there's goodness there. Focus on that part of the story. The husband is now dead. You're free of the abuse outside, but if you continue to abuse yourself on the inside, you're never free. So it's learning how to harness the power of stories, mm -hmm. and then it's also teaching children, no matter how old they are, but teaching children how to play games we both get to win. I get to feel good, and you get to feel good in the exchange of energy. So it's how do we get to that place? How do we play those games? How do we make those connections? Absolutely. Um, And that's what my book is about, and that's why it comes to the money-back guarantee, because once you understand how to make games, right. you become a game master. You can figure out who am I talking to, what matters to them, how can I help them succeed and achieve, and how can I help myself succeed and achieve at the same time? Yeah, it's, How do I create a win-win? It's something that you uh, promote. Uh, it's something that you talk about when, when situation-wise is important. I've seen your video on YouTube about that. 
Exactly. Exactly. It, it really comes down to you know getting clarity, being honest, and then you can play. If you're not going to be honest, then you can't play because you're you're always dodging. I, I you know I was a mimic and I hid myself for a long time um, because I went through some challenging stuff. Right. But but nobody realized the games I was playing. I didn't even realize the games I was playing um, when I went through the Tony work. Um, that was the doorway into start realizing. Oh, there's about six fundamental games that I was playing. Mm-hmm. And when I and I realized because those patterns are still inside me, so it's very easy to just pull that out unconsciously as a defense mechanism for something I'm I'm scared of or I don't want to deal with. But I can look at that and go, wait, 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 that's not me. That's a pattern I used to run. That's a game that I don't mm-hmm. play anymore. Then I can step back into that situation more authentically and more real and take ownership and then achieve a different result. Right. So the the, the bottom line is self awareness, understanding. Uh, truly who you are is going to be the first step to, to actually making a change. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then it's looking at the games and the consequences. How can I set myself up to win? Right. Right. Most people, they have all these rules. It's this and this and this and this, then I get to be happy with myself, but to feel bad, it's this or this or this or this. And it comes from our parents because our parents gave us lots of ways to get in trouble, lots of ways to achieve pain. But to achieve pleasure, like today, um, I picked my daughter up, we had to go run an errand, and she's like, can I have YouTube? And I said, well, after we go to the store, if you do a good job listening, then you can have YouTube. Hmm. And and so that's an and, 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 it's three, three things. She's four years old. I just stacked her with three and rules, partly on purpose because we're stretching her. Hmm. But for her to get YouTube, her pleasure. She has to go to the store with me, do a good job listening, and be helpful. Oh, okay. We did that. We came home. You know, so I said, of course, you did, you, did you do what I asked? Did you listen? Yes, ma'am, you did. Here you go. Thank you very much. You're awesome, girl. High five. Then when we got home, she wanted party muffins um, for lunch. I'm like, that's not enough. And then she got really upset with me. And she said, but I want party muffins. Okay, stop. If you whine, the answer is always no, because so, that's part of the rules. So mm-hmm. stop whining. Listen to what I said. What did you want? I want party muffins. Okay, what did I say? You said, no, that, those, those words did not come out of my mouth. I said, that's not enough for lunch did i say no or did i say yes and she looks at me because she's like i don't i don't know i said that's not enough right. means you need to eat something more than just party muffins means you get to eat party muffins and she's like oh, party muffins now she's happy so there i made it a kind of a, a, a worse statement mm-hmm. it's it's not that you have to do more things to comply it was you want the you want the party muffins yeah you can have party muffins you do a good job listening to the store i love that thank you so it's, it's how do we create easy ways to get pleasure and easy ways to remind, hey, you're awesome, you did a great job listening, and you got YouTube, and now you're going to get party muffins too. You asked for it. I think, yes, you earned this. I think you did a great job. I'm so proud of you. So now I'm going to stack a bunch of positive energy into the behavior. Yeah. But how most parents do it is, no, 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 you have to do these 87 things right, and then I'll say good job. Screw that. We say good job all the time. I love how you refer to parents as success coaches and you talk about a child's first example of what it means to be a successful human being is basically parents. And I, I think it's so important and a lot of parents do it wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't say wrong. They just don't know any different. Your, your kids don't know what you messed up and what you're not good at, what you're bad at until you tell them. Because when they see you, they're like, you're amazing. You can reach the top shelf. You can open the you can open the refrigerator door. You can open bottles. You're God. I mean, you're just anything I ask. You know the answer, and you, you're amazing. But the parents have their rules. Well, no, I don't know this. I don't know that. I screwed this up. But it's all stuff the kid doesn't know about. So the kid thinks you're amazing. Run with that. Absolutely. Well, Jeremy, it's been a pleasure and a great conversation. I think there are some excellent takeaways, both on 
parentship side, on the self-development side, and for people who want to self-improve, get better, there are definitely some uh, suggestions on what to do. But it's been a uh, pleasure to, be, to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's been a great. It's been a great pleasure. Could I offer something to your audience? Absolutely. Okay. Well, if anybody wants to continue this conversation, I am open to about a thirty-minute consultation call. It's totally free. Just go to uh, I think it's theparentingprogram.com/contact, and there's a little form you can fill out, and then I'll just get back in touch with you. We'll figure out a time to talk. But it's it's you know dealing with parenting and leadership and communication relationships. Those are kind of the key areas that I'm working on, and uh, I have a program I'm, uh, I have for fathers actually to help them be more connected to their wife and their kids, have more influence, more intimacy, um, and do better in business. So entrepreneurial dads, you know, I'm one of you, and I know the struggles, and I have some solutions. So you know, I'd love to talk and reach out. Um, Perfect. And help people play more better games. Absolutely. I mean, this is uh, this is great. It's been it's been a pleasure, Jeremy. Absolutely. Thank you, Sergio. You're awesome. Thank you.